you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Right in the middle of a great series we're super excited about. Actually, we're not in the middle of it. I say that every week, I think. Even if it's the first week, I say we're in the middle of it. But this is the last week of this series called Believe in God, where we're really unpacking what does it mean to actually believe. It's a series about the action verb faith. And we've said this repeatedly every intro for the six weeks of this sermon because we want this to sink in. And, And also because statistically... Uh, folks in Orange County attend church one, every 1.4 Sundays per month. So we're missing some people today that weren't here last week. But here's what we're talking about today. This series is about what happens when believers believe. When people who say, I'm a Christ follower, jump on board with what God is doing. A lot of people believe in God, that there is a God, that there's a higher power at work, but there's a great disconnect that happens when it comes to does God really want to play an active role in my life? And I think also sometimes the question of do I actually want God to play an active role in my life is equally as challenging. I think sometimes because we misunderstand or we don't really under- grasp the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. What I do know, the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, that if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And man, I would hate it. I would hate for it to people who call the movement church home to come here and know how to put on the garment of church, the garment of faith, the garment of I'm a good person, the garment of of I know God but not actually let there be an internal change that takes place in fact there's a passage of scripture found in the book of Joel where God's saying hey would you come to me and render your heart and not your garment isn't that what we do in in the circles that we live in that we operate in we have a work garment that we put on on Monday through Friday and we act and We're strong and we're decisive and we follow systems and processes and then we drive home and somewhere in the transition we put on the home garment and then on weekends we have the friend garment or if you're at Saddleback College or UC Irvine you put on the student garment or if you're at Dana Hills High School you put on the freshman garment or whatever it is. We have these garments that we put on and we kind of equate that same thing to our faith. It's a garment that we place on. But no real substantive change on the inside. And then we wonder why our prayers seem useless and pointless. Or or actually, I believe we take our inaction and we place it on and follow this uninvolved, in our mind, an uninvolved God. But really, it's a result of my inaction. No real change on the inside just praying through this series. This isn't a part of my notes. And I just was like, God, do people, do, do people really want this in their life? And my fear 
would be that it's so easy for us just to put on the garment of church and hear a good word, feel inspired, maybe laugh a little bit if Pastor Kerry sings falsetto. Maybe not laugh a little bit, depending on how I'm feeling today. But not let this go down deep. To actually believe God. Been walking through five statements. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. Last week, Megan dropped bombs. I can do all things through Christ. Today, God's word is alive and active at me. But before I dive in today, let me just ask you a question that I propose to you in week one. How is your belief system working for you? How is your faith working for you? Maybe it's time to kick it up a notch. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and Let's just ask God to do something awesome today. Right here, just heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. God, we just thank you that you're in this place, and we thank you that your plans and your promises are for us, and we thank you that you want to do things in and through us. And, and so today, God, we don't want to just kind of scoot through the service. We want to actually open our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear and receive exactly what it is that you want to do in our life. So we give you the steering wheel of our life. We give you permission today to rearrange the furniture that you want. We take off the garment of religion and God, we open our hearts to the possibilities, the endless possibilities of real faith in who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Guys, we are on the final installment, unpacking that fifth statement, but it's been such an exciting journey, and, and in a, a few weeks into this process, we've, we're kind of recapping so that people who have not been here can jump in, and for those of you that, that haven't been here, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. The messages have just been uh, just so, so enriched with what God wants to do, and, and today, if you'd like to follow along, you can text the word NOTES to the number on the screen. And here's the great thing about that. That will pull up some awesome options in a version app. And you can save those notes and reference those throughout the year and see what it is that God was speaking to you through sermons like today. But we started this thing off with the, the concept that God is who He says He is. And how if we try to define God by anything other than what He defines Himself, then we minimize Him. And, and this is the challenge that many of us fall into. And, and really, we kind of made this bold statement that God is either everything He says He is, or He's a liar. We believe that God is who He says He is. Then we jumped into this statement that God can do what He says He can do. That he, we, if He is who He says He is, then by default, He can do what He says He can do. And He wants to do amazingly great things in our life. And then we jumped into the next statement, which is, I am who God says I am, which just really honestly, boldly, just means this, that sometimes, if not more often than that, I'm going to have to believe what God says, even if I feel something different. And we talked about these six things that God says that I am, that I am blessed, I am chosen, I'm redeemed, adopted, favored, and forgiven. And even we encourage you to, to write those down and And just practice rehearsing those in the morning because sometimes we need a reminder. Does anybody just have Monday coming? Yeah. 
anyway, I actually love Mondays, but everybody, Monday's my Saturday, but for everybody else, Monday is coming, the grind, we're back into it, school starts over, man, I got to go back to classes and fight parking in Saddleback, man, if you've never been to school at Saddleback College, parking is like the third layer of hell there. So my students that are here, we, you know, we, we feel your pain. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves that God, that we are who God says we are. And then we jumped into the next statement. That is that I can do all things through Christ. And I love what Megan said last week. She said that we insult God's plentiful grace when we say, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can make it through this. Think about that. That God created us to accomplish the things that are before us and it's insulting to him when we say, no, I don't know if I can do that. She made this statement that I've been rehearsing all week, mostly because she's so good looking and I just like to remind myself of things she says. Extra points right there, guys. (laughs) She said, faith is never the denial of reality, but it's belief that God is greater than my reality. That's powerful. Right? Because sometimes we equate faith to this notion that, well, oh, well, let's just be kind of oblivious to the fact that there's crazy things. Well, we don't need to ignore the fact that I've got to pay my bills. God's bigger than that. Hallelujah. That's ridiculous. But God's greater than my reality. You track with me? I think the hazer is still on. So I feel like I'm just like just basking in smoke. Does it feel like that right now? Like, I feel like just Michael Jackson moonwalk back out of here. (laughs) Do it. No, that'd be a bad idea. Today, we're talking about how God's Word is alive and active in me. I feel like this is one of my personal missions as a pastor, is to help people in a real, tangible, practical way connect to the Word of God. There's such a disconnect in this for so many people. It's so difficult for people to even wrap their minds around, or they maybe try the whole Bible roulette where they flip the Bible open back in the old days and put their finger in, and whatever was there, they read, and it was so weird or awkward, they never read it again. Or, you know what I should do? Start in Genesis. <laughs> or maybe start with the lineage of who begat so-and-so, and, and yet we, we, we minimize what God wants to do through the Word. And here's one thing that you need to know. An ongoing relationship with God through His Word is essential to the Christian's consistent victory in life. Here's something, I, I think we have this on the screens for you, and that is this, that we cannot presently and actively believe God in our day-to-day challenges if we are not presently and actively in His Word. Can we leave that up for a moment? We cannot presently and actively believe God in our day-to-day challenges. If God is who He says He is, can do what He says He can do, I am who God says I am, I can do all things through Christ, and yet I still face challenges because, come on, life happens, doesn't it? I cannot actively and presently believe God in the day-to-day if I don't know what His Word has to say about that. I've got to know. So today we're going to unpack this, but can I just tell you, One of my my greatest frustrations with the church is sometimes we do inspirational teaching or we dive deep into the truth of God's Word, but we don't give practicals and we walk out of here and like, what do I do now? I don't even know. (laughs) So we've provided something for you. It's on our website. You can actually, we made it easy by texting. Isn't that crazy? You can text and get something from our church. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for laughing, team up here in the front row. You're awesome. 
You can text the word read. I see all of you reaching for your phones so quickly. That's so amazing. You can text the word read to the number on the screen and we've provided a reading plan that our whole pastoral team goes through every day. And not only that, we've actually unpacked how you can actually read the Bible and have it make sense in your life. Because we believe that it's essential to what God wants to do in your life. And if God's Word is alive and active in us, then we need to know why it's so important to our life. So I want to unpack the Word for you today. And I want to talk about what the Word has to say for you and for me. And one of the first things right off the bat that you and I need to know is that God's Word builds our faith. God's Word builds our faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. Check this out. It's on the screens for you. So faith comes from, what's that word? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's talking about the Bible. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So when I read the word of God, it builds my faith. Listen, if I'm not constantly reminded of God's vision and plan for my life, you know what I'll do? I'll replace it with whatever seems logical or feels good right now. If I'm not constantly reminded of God's vision and plan for my life, then I'll replace his vision or his plan with something that seems more logical or feels better right now. That's why as a church we're constantly reminding all of us of what the vision of this church is. If you haven't heard it in a while, let me remind you, we exist to inspire the one who is far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. There's some key words in there that are essential, the one. Our hope is not to build a mega church. Our hope is to reach individuals. We believe that if we reach the individual, we earn the right to reach the masses. Another key phrase in there is the one far from God. Shana said it today, no matter how far from God you feel, he's still here. And we say that because, hey, that is our mission. And if we don't repeat that, then sometimes we'll think that the church becomes about me. I'm a believer, I'm following, following God, and I'm pursuing Him in my life, and so Sunday morning's about me. <laughs> well, that's great that you feel that way. But our mission is to reach the one who's far from God. That they could walk into a place like this and maybe meet a smiling face yeah. and shake a hand of somebody who's not judging them based upon anything that they've walked through in their life and walk into a place like this and experience something that's alive and exciting and inspirational and then maybe at the end of the service just make a big decision that matters for eternity. That's why we exist. We repeat that over and over and over again so we don't lose sight of that. So we don't get off track or replace God's vision for the movement church with our own. And then we come in and we say we want four things for you. To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. What does that mean? That we want people to encounter Jesus and take their next step. I can't say it enough. Take their next step. All of us in this room have a next step to take from the youngest to the oldest, from side to side. Anybody want to? No, okay. (laughs) We say this over and over and over again, lest we forget where we're headed as a church. Children, if unattended, can eventually make decisions that lead to some serious harm. Any teachers in the room? You don't ever leave your room unattended, do you? Bring a teacher's aid in there, otherwise you come back to disaster. Any parents in the room? Yeah, leave your kids at home alone for four days and hope that it won't be burnt to the ground. They'll find food, they'll find food. 
Will it be healthy food? No, absolutely not. They need supervision, 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 a reminder of how to behave. We're not just parents to make sure our kids don't get into trouble. As a father, the greatest thing I can do for my daughters is to remind them of their intrinsic value, how to head in the right direction. They need to be reminded lest they forget and replace God's vision and plan for their life. Replace it with something that seems logical or something that feels good in the moment. God's word builds our faith. Number two, we find direction for our life in God's word. Yes, direction for our life. Psalms 119 says this, By your words I can see where I am going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me, God. Put, uh, everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. The English Standard Version says this, that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, which means that God is illuminating where I am, who I am, what I'm walking through, and it's showing me the next step to take. It's showing me where I am and what I'm walking through and what my next step to take. Two weeks ago, we talked about how we allow our that, that mistake, that decision, that moment to define who we are as opposed to God's this. And God's this is written in the Word. The world, the culture puts fear in. But God puts courage in. The world says you are limited to the fullness of your past. And the Bible says, let me show you what your future is. God gives us direction for our life. I'm preaching much better than you're amening right now. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they did not move and they stared you at the eyes and didn't even shake their head or go, oh yeah, that's so great. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, that's awesome. You ever done that? They're just like this. It's robotic. You've never had that happen because it would be awkward. Same thing happens when somebody's preaching. You'd be like, yeah, it's good. You can shake your head. It's all right. My white people, yeah. Don't move in church. I don't know what to do, right? So, Amen. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. If I tell a joke, laugh so hard. I feel better and I won't keep making lame jokes. Thank you. God's word gives us direction for the future. Gives us direction for the future. He says, hey man, here's where you are. But let me just tell you, remind you of where you're going. What I have for you. One of the most quoted scriptures, Jeremiah, I don't have it for you today. 2911, the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you. Culture would say, I know what your past has. I know what your mistakes have. I know what your potential failures are. But God says, look what I have for you. Number three, the word helps us safeguard against sin. The word helps us safeguard against sin. Look at Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. It says this, How can a young person live a clean life? Anybody in here know anyone older than you? Raise your hand. If you know anyone, okay, so this is talking about you. How can a young person live, I saw somebody like, oh, it's not talking to me, it's talking to this person right here. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. 
I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've, blanked, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. I love that. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. He's talking about the word here. He's showing us a place where we can find what is next for me. Don't let me miss the road signs I've, you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so that I won't send myself bankrupt. I love the word picture, send myself bankrupt. Sin is like investing in a Ponzi scheme. It is. If you don't know what a Ponzi scheme, it's a con. It's where I invest high dollar for a short-term result. And initially, the payoff is big until all of a sudden, the people you invested in, they gone. Your money's gone. And real problems take place. That's what sin's like. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the pleasures of sin are fun for a season. It feels good. But when it's all said and done, you're left with nothing. And all of us can identify with that feeling. We can identify with pursuing something that in, in, in the beginning, it felt good, it felt right, and it was fun for a season. But when I'm done, I feel empty. Yeah. The feeling of emptiness is what drives so many people to church. That's part of what we do as a church. We put the pieces back together, but we don't have to constantly put the pieces back together if we just dive into what God's Word says for us. Because yeah. His Word says here is what you should stay away from. Here is what you should pursue. This is a better way to live. And when we live this way, the blessings that come from it are far superior than anything else that you might think you want. And here's the biggest problem with sin. We always feel like our private secret rebellion is only hurting us. But the collateral damage of sin is immeasurable. We never know the fullness of its effect until decades down the road and we look back and we realize, man, that decision, it messed up my family, my marriage. I've got kids now and now they're in the wake of my disastrous decisions, entering into new relationships. And the model that I set for them was less than the best. Now look at me for a minute and lean in. I'm not here to harp on your past. If we were to sit down and measure past, I think I would probably win for being the most jacked up. But remember, I am who God says I am. And he says I'm not my that, but I'm your this. You track with me today. Number four, God's word is a key to success. I knew it was coming. It's a church. This is going to be some feel-good message. And yeah, how do we, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, if you want to go to a church where you, like, feel the shame and condemnation, you're at the wrong place. <laughs> Sinners in the hands of an angry God. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> there you go. Hey, God has and wants great things for us. 
I mean, he's a God of grace and mercy. The Bible says that his mercy is new every stinking morning. That's a carry paraphrase. Every morning. Every morning. You ever gone to bed at night and all that are rushing through your mind are the thoughts of the things that are disastrous in your life? That's why God's word says that his mercy is new every morning. God's word is a key to success. Look at what Joshua 1, 8-9 says. And don't for a minute let this book of the revelation be out of your mind. That's referring to the Bible. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. And then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength and courage? Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Hey, if God is who he says he is, then he can do what he says he can do, which means that what he has planned for me is far more successful than anything the world can measure. Remember, if we try to define God by anything other than he defines himself, by default we minimize him. Which means that his plans that are for us are fantastic. They go beyond what you or I could possibly imagine or conceive. His measure of success supersedes anything that your company tells you is successful. It supersedes dollars in a bank account. It supersedes a super stock 401k. His measure of success is far greater. And then he kicks it up a notch. God's always doing that. Kicks it up a notch. God's word does something in and through us. He doesn't just have something for us. God's word does something in and through us. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're doing a lot of scripture today. I hope you're okay with it. For the word that God speaks is, what's that word say? Alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Those are some awesome words right there. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal, the spirit, and of joints and of marrow, of the deepest parts of nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purpose of the heart. It's doing something in us. Listen, don't miss the crucial ties between God's word and his people. It's not just alive and active and energizing. It's alive and active and operative, energizing and effective in us. Not just in the ephos. Read it and it's good in the air. I literally had, I went to a restaurant the other day and they had mirrors on the Posts of every like eve and above every door and it was just like very intentionally and strange and i i went through and i go what are the mirrors for oh it's feng shui i was like i don't i don't know i've heard that word but i don't know what it means she said they put out energy i was like oh i was wondering why i felt so much energy when i walked in the restroom like why do we need energy going into the anyway so listen sometimes we relate god's word like it's something sorry i digress it's something separate from from who we are or it's something that's a reminder that god wants to do but it's not only that god is using the word to do something inside of us inside of us let that sink in for a moment 
His Word is alive and active, which means that when I read the Word and I receive it by faith, what does that even mean? When I say, okay, that is for me. We say this all the time because it's a word picture I never want you to forget. The Bible is the only book that we read. And while we read it, the author leans in and says, I wrote that for you. I wrote that for you. That's for you. Not just a good thought, not just a good feeling. It's for you. So when I receive it, like I said, God, okay, this is for me. When I meditate on it, what does meditate mean? just means, and listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Yep. <laughs> you ever just thought about, oh, what about this? What about this? What yep. about that? What about this? What about this? Anybody, can I get a show of hands from some quiet people? Okay, awesome. Thank you. Somebody rose two hands. Thank you. I raised my leg too, so we're good. That was awkward. I'll never do that again. <laughs> worry is just processing over and over, investing in fear and frustration and discouragement and meditating is taking the word and saying, but God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He knows where I am. He knows where I'm going. God, no matter what I'm facing and what I'm walking through, man, I'm going to be okay. There's a passage of scripture that says, when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. When you walk through the water, you'll not be drowned. What is that saying? He's insinuating we will walk through trials that feel like we're going to be completely taken over by the weight of the fire or completely submerged by the weight of the water. But no matter what we feel, no matter what we walk through, what does he say? You'll not be burned. You'll not be drowned. Are you tracking with me this morning? We rehearse that and we receive that and we meditate on it. So as soon as the crisis pops up, you replace that with what the Word of God says. Not dismissing it as a lack of reality, but saying God is greater than my present reality. I feel like if I clap loud enough and the anointing shows up. That means that the life of the Word becomes lively in us. The power of God's word becomes powerful in us. The operations of the word become operative in us. Are y'all tracking with me today? The energy of the word becomes energizing for us. Every morning my wife and I wake up and we get the music set. Worship music. Get our coffee in hand because Jesus and coffee are inseparable. And we read the word. Because it's a garment? No. Because we recognize that we don't have energy in this life unless we have the energizing power of the word. We can't pray powerful prayers unless we know what God's word says for me and for her. Are you with me this morning? It becomes alive and active. Its effectiveness becomes effective in us. When we receive God's word, it invades every part of our being, down to the marrow, the bones, and the motives of our hearts. In other words, we can't hide something from God's word. When we read God's word, it's God's nature and hopes and dreams for us coming to life. And it has this uncanny ability to begin to shift the desires of our heart from what our flesh wants or what the sin nature wants and it begins to take and rearrange as we would say the furniture of our heart and say hey wait I've got better things for you yeah. the word of God does this in our life and check this out 
The power behind the word of God goes beyond what you can imagine. I love this quote by author Beth Moore. Look at this. It says, God doesn't speak just to hear the sound of his own voice. You ever know anybody that loves just to hear themselves talk? Don't raise your hand. Somebody just elbow their spouse. God doesn't speak just to hear the sound of his own voice. Interestingly, neither does he speak to be heard by others. I love this. He speaks in order to accomplish something. Some of you walked in today facing a grave reality and you've been mustering things in your own strength that God's saying, you don't have to do that, I've got it covered. But wait a minute, God, you feel distant. It doesn't matter how you feel. God is still right in par- a part of it. The first recorded words of God are, let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. Every time the sun rises in the morning, it's a reminder that when God speaks, it accomplishes something. Isn't it interesting that it correlates with the word that the joy comes in the morning? Though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Look at what Isaiah says about God's word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. I love this. But will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Does your expectation match the magnitude of the word of God? The beginning of time, God bent down into the dirt and he began to form the image of man. I believe, it doesn't say this, but I believe he scooped up a portion of the dirt Leaning down close because he's always wanted to be close to his people. And he breathed life. The man took its first breath. And Adam was alive. That breath communicating this is the very essence that you need. You can live a few moments without breath. But you cannot make it. Without this very breath that I give. Look at what Timothy says about the Bible. That all scripture is breathed out by God. Is it possible that God is letting us know that his word is the breath of life in us? That we might be able to make it a little bit as a believer without it. But we'll never fully accomplish what he's got for us until it's a powerful part of our life. Why? Because God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. And I can do all things through Christ. God's word is alive and active in me. Here's the thing. You leave today and you choose what you do with this message. And the greatest decision you could make is to weave the Word of God 
into your day-to-day life. My greatest prayer for you, my greatest hope, is that every morning you would begin the day with a few scriptures and a simple prayer of surrender. God, I want your word to be an active part of my life. And today, God, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm yours. You do in my life whatever you want to do. And I'll take on the day. God's word is alive and active in you. Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. God, we thank you that you want to be an active part of our life. That your plans for us are to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. God, I recognize that we've got to weave the word of God into our life. We have to invite that in and make that a part of our day-to-day life. It doesn't just happen through osmosis. So today, God, my prayer is that that would be the desire of our heart to make it part of our day-to-day routine. Not that we can put on the garment of religion, but that this thing called faith begins to resonate from deep within. God, I pray that you and your Holy Spirit, like only you can, we begin to move and inspire and awaken this desire within us. That it not come through guilt or frustration, but as a, out of a desire to become who you've called us to become. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let me talk to a few of you who are here today and you're not sure where you stand with your faith. Some of you came in today and you're like, I, I, I kind of get behind this. I, I love the heartbeat, but man, I just don't know where to begin. And I, I just want to tell you that there is a starting line in a relationship with Jesus. It's not church membership. And, and it's definitely not eradicating or removing your past mistakes or failures. But it's simply making a decision to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. He made it easy. And you might say, you don't understand where I've been and what I've done, Pastor Kerry. If you did, you wouldn't be saying this to me. And you're right, I don't know your past. I don't know your mistakes. I don't know what you walked through. But God does, and he still sent Jesus to pay the cost for all of our poor decisions, for our sin. The ransom to be paid, as it were. And if you're here and you've never begun that relationship, today is your day. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to just challenge you right where you're seated to quietly, in your own heart or in a whisper, repeat this prayer after me. Begin this journey to see God do something miraculous in your life. Head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Just very quietly and reverently pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I know that you're real, I know that you love me, and you've given me purpose. But God, I want to begin this journey with you. I want to step out in faith today by making a decision to follow you. If that's you and you're praying this prayer with me, 
Just make this statement in your own heart. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.